Welcome to Startup Cornell, a podcast exploring the bold entrepreneurial ideas coming from our students, faculty, staff, and young alumni. I'm Kathy Hevis, normally your host, but today I'm happy to turn the mic over to Tom Shriver, the Executive Director for the Center for Regional Economic Advancement at Cornell. Tom has a great interview for you here with Stephanie Carton, co-founder of Entrepreneista, Socialfly, and Market. Thanks for being a guest host, Tom. So I'm Tom Scriber. I'm here as the guest host for the Startup Cornell podcast. I am the David J. Ben Daniel faculty advisor for BR Ventures at Cornell, and I also direct the Center for Regional Economic Advancement. And I am so thrilled to be here today with Stephanie Carton. Stephanie, good to see you. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. So, Stephanie, I want to start by just getting to know you a little bit uh, because I know our audience is going to want to get to know you, too. So let's start back when you were here in Ithaca. So you were a hotelier, am I right? I was a hotelier. I graduated in 2006, which seems like yesterday, but many, many years have flown by. And I was actually one of the first users of Facebook when Facebook first started when I was a sophomore at Cornell. So that really changed everything for me and really set the stage for what would ultimately be my future businesses. You talk about your future businesses, and and I want to get into that, but you want to start with a more philosophical question. At what point do you feel like you started to self-identify as an entrepreneur? I feel like I have been an entrepreneur. We actually say entrepreneurista my entire life. I was always selling things as a child. Uh, I'm probably not alone in saying this, but I got my first taste of being an entrepreneurista when I was a brownie selling Girl Scout cookies back when I was only, I think, six or seven years old. And I still remember that feeling being recognized as a top seller selling Girl Scout cookies. And I quickly realized that you could sell things that there was a demand for and make a business doing it. So that was definitely my first taste. And then I went on to, as a child, selling uh, friendship bracelets and then went on door to door, then went on to um, see the whole craze of Beanie Babies that were launching when I was in middle school and buying up all the Beanie Babies from the stores and then putting up signs in my, you know, neighborhood grocery store and parents coming to my house to buy them from me. So I am a, I think, true born and bred entrepreneur. And it's, I think it's just in my DNA. <laughs> You've now used this word a couple of times, entrepreneurista. And so can you define it for us? I know you've got an organization named that, but what does the word mean to you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such a great question. And it's actually a question that we ask all of our guests on, on our podcast. And really an entrepreneurista is someone that takes a risk to start a business and move forward in her life, in her career, and find the support system around her to really lean in and want to grow her business with a community. And, uh, you know, Courtney and I, my business partner and I started using this term entrepreneurista many years ago when we first started our first business, Social Fly, and it really just stuck. And we ended up starting a whole separate business and podcast with the same name. You mentioned the kind of audience or the the community that that entrepreneurista is, but tell me more about it. Who's in this community now and and how do you grow it and how is that going? Absolutely. So I'll share a little backstory just to provide context if that's okay. So Courtney, my business partner and I, who I will probably talk a lot about, um, we initially started a social media agency called Social Fly back in 2011, initially on the side of our full-time jobs. We were both working in the corporate world and we're working 
nights and weekends on some client projects for about 10 months before we said to each other, okay, this is going to be a real business. We either have to go all in and do it or not do it at all. So we quit our corporate jobs on the same day, which was May 4th of 2012. And we never looked back and we have grown and scaled our social media agency over the years. Uh, which we bootstrapped by doing really great work for our clients and being referred to other new businesses as well. We started winning all of these awards for our work. We were featured on the Inc. 5000 list for many years in a row. And what started to happen was so many women were reaching out to us literally every single week, wanting to go out to coffee and wanting to pick our brain and really wanting to hear how we were able to grow and scale our business. And what you'll learn about myself and Courtney is we're both the type of people that like to help absolutely everyone. But we started to realize that if we were to go out to coffee with every single person that reached out to us, we would never have time to run our core business. And at the time it was just social fly. Now we have a few different ventures, entrepreneurship being one of them, but we started thinking, you know, how can we help as many women as possible and not just share our story over and over again, but share all of these stories of these incredible women who are building these amazing companies have so much insight to share, so much advice to share. So that was our initial idea was let's start a podcast and feature these stories and, and interview all of these women. So they would have a platform to be able to share and we could, you know, make an impact at scale. So when we started Entreprenista, at, at first it was, I say, just a podcast, not that there's, you know, just a podcast, but that's what it was when we first started. We were a podcast and we were, you know, this is in 2018 when we released our new episode and we were organically growing our social communities. And then when everything happened with the pandemic in 2020, so many women were reaching out to us looking for more help and resources and insight and community. You know, we were getting messages from women, you know, who had lost jobs because of the pandemic and were reaching out to us because they needed help, you know, with the tools and resources on how to start a business or they were looking for inspiration or they just wanted to chat with us. And Courtney and I started thinking, you know, we really need to like lean in and go all in and help these women. They've, you know, been following our podcast. They're part of our community, but we need to be able to offer them more and all of these resources that they need. So Courtney and I decided to do what we have done best over the years as business partners, which we say divide and conquer. And we realized we needed to do that. And in order to really build Entreprenista into what it is today, and it's going to be, you know, even bigger than, than what I'm sharing with you now, based on all of our plans, we knew we had to divide and conquer. So what that has looked like is Courtney now runs our agency business, Social Fly, and I've been running everything on the Entreprenista side. So back to your initial question of what is Entreprenista, we are now a full media company and membership community. So what that looks like is we have our podcast, Entreprenista. We're launching another podcast um, at the beginning of next year called Startups and Stilettos. We have a full media platform and content site, entreprenista.com, where we share all of these stories of women business owners and leaders. So they have a platform to share what they're doing in their business to connect and help others. And we share all of the best business tools and resources and solutions that women need to grow their business. And we launched our membership community, which is called the Entreprenista League, um, which we're so excited about. Uh, we have over 500 members in just a couple of months where they pay an annual membership fee to be part of our community. And we give them everything that they need to, to grow their business. So I know that was a long, long-winded answer there, Tom, but wanted to share all of the, all of the details on how everything came to be. Uh, no, it's, it's great. And so awesome to hear about all the progress and, and also about how starting one business has kind of led to another thing and another thing and, and how all that happens. So much I want to ask you about, but let me be selfish first, okay? Sure. <laughs> um, 
So one of the things as somebody who teaches entrepreneurship around here and, and helps support programs and so on, you know, we all feel it's just so important. We want to have the most diverse entrepreneurial community we possibly can. And having more people who come from communities that have not been part of the kind of entrepreneurial wave in the past, we want them to get off the sidelines to the extent they want to, right? They want to feel welcome and supported. And I know how important role models are to that, right? And so I, I hear you when you say, gosh, you know, like if you had had coffee with everyone who wanted to have coffee with you, you'd probably be, you know, shaking like a leaf right now. You know, <laughs> it's a lot of coffee. <laughs> yes. So at the same time, I mean, I think seeing role models that look like you, I mean, in lots of academic research, it talks about how important that is. So let me just be upfront. Like as a white guy, I'm not going to be any less one, right? I, I still want to make sure that I'm being as kind of open and supportive as I can. I know there's a lot of people like me. Like what are some things that you've seen along the way so that folks like us can be good allies and supporters for people who have otherwise, you know, whether it be women, people of color, whatever, not been in the entrepreneurial community in the past, how can we help make that transition easier for people for whom the barriers have been higher? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. And I feel like there's so much that others are able to do. And something that we've done is we started an Entrepreneurista College Ambassador Program. So actually for all of the, the college students that are listening, um, we feel it's so important to be able to have access to all of these women and leaders as early as possible. Back when I was at Cornell, I know there was, you know, stuff going on with entrepreneurship back then, even, you know, 2002 to 2006, but not like there is today. There's so much more that's going on in the Cornell ecosystem now. And I remember being, like I said, like this born entrepreneur when I was at Cornell, but not really knowing what resources were available and what I had access to. And I really didn't do much with that when I was at school. So, and I know Cornell's program is great now with eShip and everything that's going on, but there's a lot of colleges that don't have that. And we want to give access to women early in their career when they're in college to get access to our tools and resources to all of the women in our community. So um, we invite all women who are in college to join our Entrepreneurs Ambassador Program. We do Zoom fireside chats every month with these women. We help them find internships. We make intros to um, many of these entrepreneurs, anything that we can do to help them in their career. And it's not just about women. Like you said, you know, men need to help women too. We all have to be able to work together. So if there's men that want to come speak to our ambassador, college ambassador community, we absolutely welcome that and encourage anyone who wants to get more involved to reach out to us. We're also currently running a campaign right now on iFundWomen. iFundWomen is a crowdfunding platform, and it has really been able to give women access to the ability to crowdfund and not be reliant on getting VC. The stats, I believe in 2020, it was only 2% of women actually received VC funding. Only 2% of all the money that was deployed in 2020. Those numbers are not good. <laughs> and we really need to help women get access to funding, whether it's through other initiatives like crowdfunding. So if you see an entrepreneurista that is crowdfunding, support them, put some money into their campaign, help them get their business off the ground. Yeah. So can you give us the name of that site one more time? Yes, it is I Fund Women, and we are running a campaign on there right now so we can help as many women business owners and leaders. So that platform is ifundwomen.com, and then you do forward slash projects, forward slash entrepreneurista. Great. 
Let me give you one other plug. Uh, so a recently graduated MBA student, uh, Linda Alvarez, has a great company called Level, which we're very proud of, that is also in the midst of a campaign. And don't think it's closed yet uh, on I Fund Women, actually. So Amazing. Yes, well. we all have to support each other. It is so, so important. Indeed. And so, you know, what I really appreciate about what you're doing is you're using technology and scale to kind of help address the problem that I mentioned, right? Is that like if we if we needed to have role models that are as diverse as the community we want to support, that will mean people like you are going to be 10 times overutilized, right? Like the one African-American woman in venture capital is going to have to go to all the meetings, right? And they're never going to be able to succeed in VC because they're just going to be going to sit on all the panels, right? I mean, like, how yeah. does that even work, right? Um, and so I really like that the way you're using technology to build that, which though means having a big audience, right? So we see a lot of students here um, in, in classes or what have you going like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do customer acquisition. Everybody's going to know about me because social media. As if there's like kind of like a point at the end and they can just go, great. And then the magic happens, right? I just push the magic button. <laughs> so for those students who currently want to have a brand, right, but don't have anything, like what tips would you give them to get started to get some early momentum? So the first step before you even have a business, I would say no matter what you're doing, whether you start your own business or you go work for a company, you should always focus on building your personal brand. At the end of the day, people like to do business with people that they know, that they trust, that they genuinely feel connected to. So we even go back to the crowdfunding example. So let's say, Tom, you're thinking of launching a new business. No one knows your, about your business yet, and no one even knows who you are yet. Start by building that personal brand. Who are you? Put up a website, start a platform for yourself on Instagram and LinkedIn. Start becoming this thought leader and content producer. So then when you do have something to market or sell, and maybe you're you know, launching a crowdfunding campaign, the key to success with a crowdfunding campaign is you need to have a network of people to reach out to, to ask for support. Or you need to be part of communities like Entrepreneurista, like iPhone Women has a community. There's other communities for women in business and be able to build real relationships and reach out to people to ask for help and ask them to fund your campaign or to follow you or whatever you're looking to do to really build that initial traction. But I would say the first thing to do, always focus on building your personal brand through content, through social media, position yourself as a thought leader. It is vital to the success, I feel, of any business. I know your background a little bit just from doing my own sleuthing. You, you've got a background in sales, right? So you you really, and you mentioned that in your intro, you were selling as a brownie, right? Way back oh, yeah. Right. Thin mints. Thin, <laughs> Lots of thin mints. Love them thin mints. Um, so how though, I mean, like p there are a lot of people in the world who, who don't have that kind of gene, right? And are held back by the like, oh, gosh, being a thought leader sounds great, but I'm not sure what thought I would lead with right now, right? Like, how do I start if I'm if I'm young, if I'm just getting into a field, if I'm if I aspire to be in that role, how do I actually start now getting my word out? You know, do you have any advice for people who might feel held back by not knowing where to start there? Yeah, well, I would I, I have so many thoughts on this. The first thing I would say, like, if you're uncomfortable just, you know, asking for things or speaking, a public speaking, I would say to take an improv class, even if it's like an online virtual improv class, because that will help you learn how to get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. 
and learn how to, you know, speak on the fly and get more confidence in speaking and asking for things. So that's a little tip that I would recommend. And there's a lot of classes and courses, and there's so many, you know, platforms now where you can take things for, for free. So I would definitely look into that in terms of figuring out, you know, who you are, what is your personal brand? What can you offer? Um, There's a lot to unpack there. I feel like it's a very lengthy conversation and really depends on obviously who you are. And if you are looking to build a business, what type of content are you going to be creating for that business that you can then tie back to your personal brand? So I would say book time with either someone who has done it before that can sit with you and help advise you based on your specific situation. If you're in college and you're listening to this, I would say to join our entrepreneurs ambassador community, because we do zoom chats about this all the time. And we can like have one-on-one conversations and break down what it could look like for, for you individually, because it really is different for each person and what it could look like. Just one kind of plug I'll, I'll give, I guess I've been really impressed this year by Nick Huber, um, who is a Cornell alum with his partner Hagberg. They started storage squad and, and now have transitioned that business to bolt storage. And Nick, now it's like over 100,000 Twitter followers about being an expert in buying self-storage locations, which is just kind of amazing to me and just goes to show, you know, it doesn't have to be like, you know, big fancy stuff, right? Not at all. I think his handle is even sweaty startup, which is actually very apt for what he's trying to do. There's a whole startup scene going on on Twitter. So I would say another tip would be start following other thought leaders and just look at examples and see, you know, where can you be different? You don't need to, you know, do the exact same thing someone else is doing. So start following, you know, different hashtags and communities on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and start taking in a lot of that content first and then see, okay, where, where could I fit in and be part of this conversation? So super tactical, but I'm curious, are you noticing, especially nowadays after the last few years of all the kerfluffle on Twitter, the various kerfluffles, I think it's just a constant kerfluffle. I mean, the thing about LinkedIn, you got to be a person, right? I mean, that's, that's the big fundamental difference in the platform. And so are you finding LinkedIn to be more powerful then for these more business-oriented things? Is it growing in its influence? Is that something you're noticing or is it just my guess? LinkedIn is super powerful for entrepreneurs and being able to really position yourself as a thought leader. And other tip, there is still for now so much free reach on LinkedIn. When you post content on LinkedIn, especially like good content on LinkedIn and people are commenting and sharing, it goes into other people's feeds. It goes into their email updates from LinkedIn about things going on with people in their community. So if you can spend the time to really position yourself as a thought leader on LinkedIn, again, when you have something to sell or promote, that audience is going to respond because you've been providing them with value. Fascinating. I mean, I remember when Microsoft bought LinkedIn and it was like, Microsoft, oh, those are the old, they're not the fancy fun ones anymore, right? And they were buying the also ran social network kind of thing. And But now, you know, you're just seeing that continued momentum. That's really, it's just fascinating to see how it keeps coming back. So I love LinkedIn. <laughs> how, um, who are your kind of role models? Who are your mentors? Who are you going to for uh, advice and inspiration? 
My role model is actually our business coach and someone who has been a mentor to myself and Courtney for many years. And this is just something that I highly recommend to all of our entrepreneurs is investing in yourself and your business with a business coach. There are so many learning lessons through entrepreneurship and especially For founders who are going at it alone, it's even harder and even more isolating. So being able to have a coach and someone you can really work with and bounce ideas off of is very important. Having a business partner and working with a coach is extremely important as well. We, we've always called her like our business therapist because Courtney and I have grown up together in business. She was 23. I was 26 or 27 when we first started our businesses. Now it's 10 years later. And so much has happened in all of our businesses and obviously in our personal life and being able to work with a coach like Leslie, shout out to Leslie, Leslie Grossman. She is just an incredible mentor and advisor to us and coach and have learned so much from her along the way. Of course, we have been so grateful and lucky enough to interview so many incredible entrepreneurs over the past few years through the podcast. And I'll give a special shout out to some of our Cornell alumni who have been on the podcast, like Gwen Whitting, she is the founder of The Laundress and an incredible entrepreneurista. And she is a, a mentor in our entrepreneurista community to our league members, Jessica Rolf. She's the founder of Happy Family and Love Every. She's been on our podcast as well and is such an inspiration and so smart when it comes to launching and growing a business. So yeah. It's been a wild ride these past few years, but have definitely learned so much. <laughs> I bet. Um, and Jessica, recent Cornell Entrepreneur of the Year, last yes. year or the year before. So make sure we get that that plug in there as well. Um, so you're talking about your your co-founder, Courtney, quite a bit. And, and, uh, and I'm curious, you know, we see a lot of student teams form as partners, three musketeers, four musketeers? I don't know how many musketeers there were. Anyway, but, you know, oh, great. We're all together. We're all going to be equal partners and link arms, and we're all going to start this thing together. And shockingly, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And I'm I'm curious how you set up a working relationship with your co-founder that's obviously led you to, you know, great success today, right? You're still together, still working together. So what are some things that you've learned along the way that other people can learn from from you? I get this question all the time because people come to us and say, how are you guys still partners? You've been in business for 10 years. You're still friends. You're growing these companies. Like, what is the secret? And I will share all of them right now because it has definitely been a learning lesson, many learning lessons over the years. And as I just mentioned before, Courtney and I were very young. I guess we're still young, right? I hope, (laughs) but we were very young when we first started Social Fly. Courtney was 23. I was 26, 27. And we knew nothing about starting a business, like literally nothing. Um, We didn't know about setting up operating agreements and all of these things that are so important when you're first starting out. So one of the reasons why we started Entrepreneurista and the Entrepreneurista League is because we wanted founders to have all of these tools and resources that we've used to grow our business over the years that we didn't know about when we first started. We learned everything over time and we learned a lot of these lessons the very, very, very hard way. So in terms of having a great working relationship and business relationship with your business partner or partners, the first thing that is extremely important and will make or break your success is being sure that all of you are completely on the same page about the vision 
for your company. And also you have to all have complete trust in one another. I know with Courtney that no matter what, like we have each other's back, we will always do what is best for each other personally and for our business. And we have the utmost respect and trust in one another. And we are able to have what we call, and we've learned are called fierce conversations with one another. And there's a book by that name as well, that our business coach actually recommended that, that we read years ago, you have to be able to have fierce conversations and uncomfortable conversations with your business partner and not be scared to say things that might not seem like a comfortable conversation. For instance, you have to have an operating agreement set up just because you're all friends when you first start a business. And it's like, oh, this is going to be great. Like we're going to just start this business. Everything is just going to be smooth sailing. Things happen in life. You know, I had, you know, the very unfortunate experience of having a very complicated pregnancy and was in the hospital for 11 weeks. I spent 17 weeks on bed rest. I couldn't go into my office and Courtney, this is back in the day when we all, you know, went to an office, um, Courtney was holding on the fort, running the office. And I was working from the hospital and we didn't have anything in place together. Like what happens if something happens to one of us? Like what's fair? Does the other person get compensated more? You have to have these conversations and it's important to figure these things out upfront in the beginning. So you can work with a business attorney to do this. There's forms on certain websites that you can download now to at least get a basic template of operating agreements. But I do recommend investing and working with a business attorney when you first start and getting everything set up properly. Those are some of my initial tips. (laughs) So shout out to all of our attorney friends out there. Uh, A lot of Cornelians in in those roles. Yeah, let me drill into this or or as they as the kids say, double click on it. Um, (laughs) So. You know, there's this kind of meta thing here, right? You you have to be willing to have these, I love that phrase, fierce conversations. And part of the fierce conversation is setting ground rules for, you know, your operating agreement, how you're going to be. But the conversation itself needs to have ground rules, right? And so I'm curious, yeah. are what are your ground rules with each other, if you don't mind sharing, if that's not too personal about how you bring these up. Do you guys have like a safe word? I mean, like what, what, how do you, what happens when you get offended? You know? No, we, I mean, we just, we just don't like, you can't take anything personally. You shouldn't take anything personally. And you have to know things happen in business, things happen in life. And you have to be willing to talk about things, even if they feel uncomfortable. And the more you avoid conversations that you definitely should be talking about, like the more uncomfortable you're feeling, the more you should probably be having that conversation because the energy that's spent avoiding something versus the energy that could be spent just having that conversation, getting it off your chest and making an action plan going forward. So when you present, you know, let's say you really need to talk about something that your co-founder did something that really, you know, bothered you and you want to share that, you know, how you felt with them at your next scheduled check-in, like Courtney and I have scheduled check-ins every Thursday where we go through different things that are going on in our businesses. You have an agenda and put it as an agenda point and share how something made you feel and what would be helpful going forward if they have that type of feedback, how they can share it with you the next time. So maybe it doesn't offend you or make you feel a certain way, but just having like a constructive conversation. I know a lot of people say like critical feedback, I like to just say, you know, just share openly and give constructive feedback instead of constructive criticism. Yeah. The the other word that I 
somebody kind of pointed out to me recently, I mean, it's kind of basic, but it kind of hit me recently was the difference between criticism and critique, right? So critique is intended to say, okay, here's this thing that you're working on. Maybe it's a presentation, maybe it's a prototype, maybe it's whatever. Let's critique that. Is it achieving its objective? Did it do what it's supposed to do as opposed to a criticism? You didn't do well in in making it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. So, and I would imagine after all these years, right now, so now you've been able to kind of build some momentum in your relationship and you guys must know each other pretty well by this point, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one. I mean, I got to say, having worked with a lot of student startup teams, it's always interesting to see which direction they go. And, and sometimes the ones that are the more vocal with one another, it would be easy as an outsider to go like, oh, that, that team looks a little troubled. But then it's actually the ones that are not very vocal with each other that are more likely to six, nine months in kind of have everything stay under the surface and then compound and compound. And then all of a sudden, kaboom. Yeah. Right? And it happens you got to have those conversations. Yep. 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 Let me change gears a little bit. Um, how is your work situation, your business, et cetera, um, been impacted by the pandemic? So everything changed for us because of the pandemic. So if I take you back to March of 2020, at the time, Courtney and I were both living in New York City. Our office was in New York City, still is, but um, not open on the day-to-day basis just for photo shoots and video shoots. Now we don't have the whole team going in there, but I remember just the feeling of this fear and anxiety and this panic with everything that was happening. We had to quickly close our office. Everyone started working from home. We had to quickly figure out remote work and what that looked like for our team. We had to put all of these tools in place to be able to quickly, just like literally in an instant, be sure we were still managing everything properly for our clients and taking care of our employees. And then personally, you know, we were personally panicked about what was going on for me. You know, I'm living in New York city. I had a seven month old or eight month old at the time in a small apartment with my husband. And now we're all there trying to work and can't leave our apartment. And it really felt like the world was ending in New York city during that time. And it was extremely stressful. It was so hard as a business owner to try to keep up the positive energy for the team and make sure everyone was still okay while we're putting out all of these fires and clients wanting to pause services and then figuring out what we're doing personally in our life. Are we going to leave the city because everyone was leaving? Like, what, what do we do? So March of 2020 was definitely very, very traumatic, but as true entrepreneurs, we, you know, took action and started making some decisions. So of course, as I mentioned, we closed our physical office for a couple of months. We had everyone start working remotely. We hired a outsource IT solution to help us manage all of our IT for our company. Courtney and I became obsessed with remote work and solving all of these problems for our team. Because one of the first things that we realized was all of the team meetings we were having on Zoom, we would ask everyone questions during the morning meeting on Zoom and no one was responding. So Courtney calls me after one of these meetings and was like, we need to make these virtual cue cards for our team so everyone can be more engaged. So, you know, Tom, what we did, we started a, another business during that time called DigiCards, where we now made all of these virtual meeting cards for our team to keep everyone more engaged and fun. And I know people can't see what I'm doing right now, but I'm holding up some of these DigiCards for, for Tom to see. And we just wanted to make it like the best possible working environment for our team. And it was not easy in those first few months. 
We had clients that were pausing services. We didn't know what was going to happen. It was so stressful. Courtney and I both left the city personally. We worked with our business coach and decided that we both wanted to move to Florida. So now we're both living in Florida permanently and business really changed. We decided to really also focus on entrepreneurista because there was such a need to help all of these women and decided that I would focus in 2020 on building everything with entrepreneurista and Courtney would continue to focus on the agency side of the business. And thank goodness we're in the business of social media and digital where business was still able to keep going, but we had clients change. We lost some clients. We gained some clients. It was definitely a transformative year. And as an entrepreneurista, we always find the best in every situation and just try to learn as much as we can. And we definitely have and grateful for where we are now today, but have definitely learned so much in the past year and a half about business and pivoting and that there's always a solution to, to every problem. You just have to keep going and ask for help. I mean, here's hoping that we're at least almost over whatever in all this lockdowny stuff and everything. Uh, I know case numbers are, are down. Things are much better here on campus, which is great and so on. You know, and hopefully we'll be back to whatever, quote, normal, unquote, yeah. <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> um, you just gave some great examples of making lemonade here, you know, of that old expression when life gives you lemons, right? So what are the things, if you can imagine that point in the future, 2022, 2023, hopefully not too far, where we're back to a life that looks more like 2019 than not, what are the things that you're going to look back and say, wow, you know, like we took this out of that experience. And I'm glad that we have it in the way that we work, Right. And the way we yeah. work together as a company, maybe it's hiring or managing or whatever. Well, I don't think that we're ever going back to exactly what life was like and work was like prior to 2020. I do think, you know, remote work and what they're, what they're now calling hybrid work is, is here to stay. I think we've all learned that, you know, business owners and employees, we can all be extremely efficient when working from home as well. And in our case, we were able to start more businesses because we got many hours back in the day from not having to commute. So we definitely were able to do even more with more with less. Uh, something that we learned was really the importance of having all of your systems in place as a business owner. So making sure that your IT solutions and your computers with your team members and making sure that in an instant, if something changes, that you have access to all of your the information that you need to run your business, that you have documents where all of your processes are documented. You know, this past year, they called the great resignation. So many people were leaving the workforce. And if you have many members of your workforce leave in a given time, you need to be sure that all of your processes and how your employees work, that there's documentation of absolutely everything. And that's definitely something that is extremely important for any business. Have you been hiring during the pandemic? We have been hiring during the pandemic. We have been, knock on wood, thank goodness, on the social fly side and on the entrepreneurs' side, busier than ever in, in a very good way. Yes, for those who are listening, we are absolutely hiring. So head over to socialflyny.com for our careers page or entrepreneurista. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Good to make the plug. And and I'm curious from your perspective as growing your team, I mean, how is this now hiring in this kind of more remote environment, hiring, I presume, remote workers? Yes. For entrepreneurista, we are all completely remote. 
So on our team, actually a few of us are in Florida. One of our team members is in New York. We just hired um, someone across the country as well. So we are all completely remote. On the social fly side, we still do have our office in New York City and we do a lot of brand work, photo shoots and video shoots. So um, a lot of members of our creative team have to be in New York, but our members of our account team and, and other teams on the social life side, we have been hiring across the country as well. And people are working remotely and it's been going great. And it sounds like you're going to, as you said, continue that remote model going forward. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that I know scares entrepreneurs, you know, the student entrepreneurs, especially the very early days, right? I mean, so like I said, typically you might be a pair or, or three people or four people working together. And then there's that moment that they've got to go out and say, okay, now we got to go, we got to go hire ourselves first off, right? Mm -hmm. So we got to turn ourselves from, you know, kind of volunteer founders, if you will, um, to actual paid founders somehow uh, after they're able to secure some capital and then actually hire someone else. And, and what kind of best practices or advice would you give somebody who's facing that for the first time? You know, they got to go figure out how to structure a job and source a candidate and qualify them and interview and recruit them and hire them. So we use a platform and a software called Jazz HR. They are a HR recruiting tool and software. And we actually have a, a wonderful partnership with them. They've been the company that we've used for many years at Socialfly. Uh, so anyone who's listening to this can go to entrepreneurista.com under business tools and solutions where it says hire, I believe it says hire your first employee. You can post your first job for free and test out their platform through Entrepreneurista. It is an incredible software. It's definitely extremely affordable to be able to use it. And when you post a job, it gets blasted out to all of the major job boards. The back end makes it really easy to sort through resumes and to follow up on the hiring process. You also, of course, want to be sure you're following all of the rules um, for interview questions because there's a lot of rules in each state around what you are allowed to ask, what you're not allowed to ask. And I highly recommend reading all of the resources on the Jazz HR site um, or talk to, you know, your business attorney to, to get that information as well, because uh, you definitely don't want to get yourself in trouble early on as you're, as you're starting out hiring. I can share with you when, when Courtney and I first started Socialfly, again, I mentioned we bootstrapped our business. So you know, we really didn't have any money when we first started and we didn't pay ourselves what you would consider like a market salary or rate for running a business until many years later in running the business, we were constantly reinvesting money back into the business to be able to grow. Um, so it was definitely like a slower growth for us because we did everything organically. I know there's more access now to capital and other funding opportunities. And as I mentioned before with iFundWomen, even if it's doing a crowdfunding uh, campaign to launch a business just to get some of that seed money. There's so many grant programs that are available now. And of course, you have to spend time and resources to be able to apply to all of those things. But it's definitely worth it to, to check them out. Yeah. Interesting Jazz HR, 12-year-old uh, company itself, which I think is interesting. I'm I, uh, I got to imagine in 2009, they were probably being told, oh, gosh, you know, HR software, that's done, right? Yep. But uh, it just to goes to show all the entrepreneurial renewal out there. You know, people can come in with, with new solutions. Boy, I really appreciated uh, the chance to get to know you here a bit and to, to chat through all these things uh, as part of our Startup Cornell podcast. Um, before we close here, any final words of wisdom from you to uh, especially all of the students here on campus that are thinking about great ideas and what they want to start? Yes. The best piece of advice I can share is to just start. 
There are so many great ideas out there and you can think about them all day long and bounce them off other people. And you're never going to have everything figured out of what to do, when to launch and how to make it a success success until you just start and do it. You will learn from others. You will figure it out as you go along, just start. And there are so many resources that are out there, of course, like Entrepreneurista and other communities and resources like, you know, entrepreneurship at Cornell to be able to help. So just start and you will have a team of cheerleaders to help you along the way if you just reach out and ask. Great. And so if anybody wants to find you later, I'm sure they can find you all over social media, but where should they be going? Oh, yes. Okay. So you can you can find me everywhere on Instagram. Personally, I'm at Steph Jill Carton, S-T-E-P-H-J-I-L-L-C-A-R-T-I-N. So feel free to follow me and send me a DM there and introduce yourself. I'm on LinkedIn, of course, under Stephanie Carton. Uh, you can learn more about Entrepreneista at entrepreneista.com. That's spelled E-N-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-I-S-T-A.com. And of course, if you're looking to learn more about social media for your business, you can check us out over at SocialFly, which is socialflyny.com. And we are all over social media at SocialFly. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure and uh, hope to see you back on campus one of these days. Yes, I will have to make my way back up there one day soon. All right, great. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Startup Cornell, a podcast exploring the bold entrepreneurial ideas coming from our students, faculty, staff, and young alumni. For more information, visit our website at eship.cornell.edu.